You're listening to Let's Talk It Through, a podcast about the art and practice of using your voice as a tool for building happier, healthier relationships and deeper self-trust, made especially for folks who wrestle with people-pleasing tendencies. And I'm your host. I'm Michelle. I'm a communication coach for big-hearted, deep thinkers and feelers, and I run things over at The Hardy Fig. Together, we'll explore how to sidestep common communication pitfalls, build confidence in how you show up for tough conversations on your terms, and start creating the kinds of relationships you want and deserve, including your relationship with yourself. Let's get into it. All right. So today's episode, hello, by the way, how's it going? Uh, Glad to see you're back for episode two. Um, I'm loving this platform so far, I gotta say. Um, I know I'm two whole episodes in, so things could change and I'm open to seeing what that looks like. But for now, this is just so fun. I've always loved kind of using my voice as a sharing mechanism. That's such a weird formal way to put that, but it's just been such a natural way to show up and share and connect with you. And I'm loving it. So thanks for being here. And I think we should just jump right in. Today's episode is kind of a continuation of last week. You know, last week was sort of level setting, groundwork. We talked about sort of the basics of people pleasing and how it can contribute to what feels like lopsidedness in our relationships. And that has a lot to do with the broader topic that we're talking about for these next few weeks in February, which is all about how can we build and create and sustain what feel like more balanced relationships. So first of all, if you missed last week's episode, it's got some really good stuff in there. And I think especially if you're someone who sort of rolls their eyes or bristles at the term people pleasing, but maybe knows that there's a kernel of truth and resonance in there, A, I'm right there with you. And B, I think that you'll get a lot out of it if you haven't listened to it already. So I would suggest doing that if you haven't. But today we're going to look at kind of a new or a different aspect of balanced relationships. And that is this idea of compromise. So we're going to look at questions like, what does healthy compromise mean? What does it look like in practice? What does it look like in our relationships? How do we know when we're missing the mark? And I think there's this underlying question underneath all of those, which is, am I doing it right? (laughs) Right? You know, I think many of us struggle to know when we're maybe giving too much. And then once we have that awareness, we might find it really difficult to move that line and take a harder stance on certain things. So we know compromise is an important topic in relationships, but I think some of the how is where it gets fuzzy. So we're going to look at some of that. And to wrap up the episode a little later on, I'm going to share a cool concept that kind of helps me orient myself in this topic of compromise and and find my way closer to what feels like the line in the sand, the balance place. And I'm going to share some questions. I think there are four helpful questions that are going to help you gauge when a compromise might be asking too much of you. And, you know, there is another side to this conversation, which is when am I asking too much of someone else? But I think For the purposes of staying sort of narrowed in and focused today, I'm going to talk more about that first question, which is how do I know when something is asking too much of me? Because when you think about the groundwork we laid last week, which had a lot to do with this idea of people pleasing, even if you hate that term, I think that has a real tie-in with this idea that, you know, sometimes to keep our relationships humming, we might be tempted to over 
give, to overcompromise, to cave when we don't want to, to say yes when we'd rather say no. And that's the lens I want to bring today to help us find more of that middle ground and what feels more like equitable balance in any relationship. And you know, it's funny, I actually went back and found, you know, I've been writing on topics like this for years in different ways and on different platforms. And I found that I actually have a a blog post on this idea of healthy compromise in relationships and how do we know how much is too much. But in looking through that, I actually found that there was more to discuss and more nuance to bring and more that we could explore. So we're going to kind of broaden the lens. We'll cover some of the, the stuff in that blog, but I'll make sure to include a link to the updated article in the show notes as well. So I think the logical question to start with is, what is healthy compromise in relationships? And maybe more importantly, why does it sometimes feel so hard to define? At a basic level, we all know that the ability to compromise is one of those things that you'll find at the center of every healthy relationship. We know that there are always going to be times when someone who's important to us wants or needs something from us. And it might be something that we're not super thrilled about having to give or consider giving, right? So it might look like somebody asking us to make a change, a change to our behavior, to our schedule, to our expectations. It could also look like someone asking us to create space for something, maybe a need or something they need help with. They might be asking us to give something up or take something on, depending on the nature of your relationship. That might be coming from a boss or a partner or a friend. Sometimes these asks are genuinely no big deal, right? Because we all know that there are always going to be times when we have to do or stop doing things in our relationships. And the task of having to do or not do those things might be irritating or inconvenient or disappointing. But in many cases, that's just part of being a human, right? having to do shit we don't always like to do. So in many cases, the annoyance of being asked to do something that we're not thrilled about isn't necessarily an indicator that too much is being asked of us, right? It's just sort of part of being a person who has relationships. But other times, the impact of these asks, these things being asked of us, somehow feels bigger, somehow feels itchier. And that can be where we start to ask all kinds of questions quietly to ourselves, like, should I push back here? Am I overreacting? Am I making this into a big deal when it's not? Am I going to regret being difficult? Should I just suck it up? And this is the kind of thing that we're going to talk about today. A really interesting thing happened when I went to look up the word compromise, because a dictionary definition is always a great place to start, right? So I looked it up in the verb form, and when I did that, there were two definitions that came up. I think it was from the Oxford Dictionary. Two definitions came up side by side. The first one said, to settle a dispute by mutual concession. Makes sense. The second definition said, to accept standards that are lower than is desirable. And I thought, wow, that's pretty poetic. So my question to you here is, how often do we conflate the two? Or at least, how often do we sit down with a goal of aiming for the first definition, which was to settle a dispute by mutual concession, right? To find middle ground, to find that mutually agreeable solution. How often do we sit down aiming for that and end up doing that second one, which is to accept standards that are lower than is desirable. As a means of finding a solution, how often do we end up compromising on ourselves instead of finding that mutual 
compromise. And maybe even we find ourselves doing that because there's some of that fear of conflict bubbling up like we talked about last week, right? So when this question about healthy compromise comes up, I think what many of us are really asking is, like I said earlier, am I doing this right? Either am I giving too much of myself here or if we're the ones asking for something, am I asking too much? Intellectually, we know disagreements come up. We know competing needs or priorities come up in any relationship and that that in itself is not necessarily a problem and that there are going to be times when both sides need to make concessions in order to find that solution. We know we should expect to give on some things in our relationships and that it's reasonable to ask others to give some things up too. But when it comes to compromise in relationships, especially for those of us who know that we've historically struggled with some people-pleasing tendencies or that that's a habit that we sometimes unconsciously fall into, the lines can get blurry. Things like guilt and obligation and fear of disconnection can really start to muddy the waters and fog things up. So how do we know when we're making necessary, healthy, quote-unquote normal concessions versus when we're falling into old, unconscious patterns and caving just to keep the peace. And here's what I actually love about that question. It acknowledges that there is a line. There's a line in the sand, and there is a point at which it is healthy and normal, and in fact, our responsibility to say no or to push back. So there's a line. It's just a matter of how to find it. So let's get into that. Let's talk about tools and strategies we can use to start finding that line more easily and intuitively. There's a word that I've come to love that can help us in this space, and I love it both for its poetic meaning and for its many applications. And that word is consonance. And that's, it ends in an A-N-C-E. So I'm not saying consonants like consonants and vowels. I'm saying consonants as in the opposite of dissonance, which we're going to talk about. So the dictionary, again, back to our dictionary definitions, the dictionary defines consonants as an agreement or compatibility between opinions and actions. I'll say that again. It's agreement or compatibility between opinions and actions. So in other words, finding harmony between what we believe and what we do, creating alignment between how we think and feel and how we behave. As I hinted at a minute ago, the other thing I love about this word is that it's literally the opposite of dissonance. And I was first introduced to the idea and the word dissonance, specifically the idea of cognitive dissonance, um, a few years ago when I was seeing a really wonderful therapist. And she helped me understand that cognitive dissonance is that uncomfortable twinge that we feel when we experience inconsistencies or contradictions between what we think or believe and what we do, how we behave. So to help this crystallize, here are some questions to think about. Have you ever told yourself that you were on board with someone else's ideas or their plan because you didn't want to cause trouble or rock the boat? even if that plan was in conflict with your needs or your values in some way? Have you ever tried to change your own mind or change your own beliefs to try to justify a decision that you really might not be totally comfortable with, but that you're about to make anyway? Cognitive dissonance is the discomfort 
that you probably felt in those situations that told you that something was out of alignment. So that's dissonance, specifically cognitive dissonance. Consonance to me means living in a way where the outside matches the inside, where that tension isn't there. In other words, it's when what we say and how we show up is in agreement with what's going on in our inner landscape. It's in alignment with our values, our beliefs, our boundaries, our needs, our capacity to give in that moment, all those things. And even when it's not easy, living in that kind of alignment tends to feel like harmony. And that's not to say harmony always means taking the easy way. It's not about over-prioritizing outer relational harmony. It's not always about putting ourselves ahead of relational or community care. What we're talking about here is conscious decision-making. Instead of compromising on our boundaries or values from that place of habit or even a place of fear. So one way to find that line that we've been talking about, the line of healthy compromise, might be to ask yourself, what are my highest or my most important values? What do my needs, my capacity, and my boundaries look like right now in this moment? Because those things can be moving targets, so it's important to note where they are right now. And then what decision would allow me to be in alignment with those things, even if it involves some short-term discomfort? to deliver that news. So those were some big questions. And again, I'm gonna say this a lot, but those types of questions, they might be helpful to ask yourself in the moment. They might also make for some really great journal prompts. And when I say journal prompts, that might mean traditional journaling. It might mean pulling some cards, if that's your thing, tarot cards, oracle cards, doing some inner exploration. You might be an art journaler. These might be jumping off points for creating art if you're not like a literal writer. But these can make for great exploratory questions to help you get more in touch with your inner landscape and to try to be more conscious of if you weren't afraid of expressing that opinion or rather if you were less focused on outer relational harmony than you have been in the past and you were a little bit more aware and willing to factor in what's going on with you and what your needs look like in that moment. What are those things? What is going on with you? What would you say? What would you ask for? What would you decline if there wasn't the fear underneath it? That doesn't mean you have to pretend that fear doesn't exist, but this can be a really great curiosity exercise to at least build awareness of what those things are. And with that awareness, you're in a much better position to make conscious decisions moving forward. How do you want to reply in this moment? The awareness is the tool that's going to help you get in touch with your agency and then make a decision from a place of intentionality rather than a place of habit. So in this last section, um, before we start to fully wrap things up, now that we've talked about this idea of consonance and this idea of dissonance, What I want to leave you with are four questions that you can come back to anytime you're struggling with this question of, am I giving too much? Am I overcompromising? What do I want healthy compromise to look like here? So these four questions that we're about to walk through are going to help you look at whatever compromise you're grappling with from a few different angles, and that's going to help you decide when it might be asking too much of you. You might use these questions in quiet conversation with yourself the next time that you're faced with a compromise that gives you some kind of pause or hesitation. Or like I said, you can also tuck them away and return to them as journaling or exploration prompts to explore any hesitations more deeply. And that's something I want to call out here too, is that even if in the moment, I know we talked last week about 
building awareness and naming what's going on for you and building in time to pause, even if you don't radically change your behavior after that point, what we're really talking about here is building awareness because that awareness is going to be this small shift now that's going to have huge implications on the trajectory of your choices moving forward. If you've become accustomed to making decisions and showing up in certain relationships based on the way you've always done it from that place of not wanting to rock the boat, starting to build awareness of what would I want to do in this moment if I wasn't in that habit is like a phenomenally huge first step. So again, even if you show up and kind of cave a little more than you wanted to or say yes when you really wanted to say no, even going back and retroactively revisiting that situation and using these questions as journal prompts to kind of explore almost like an alternate reality of like, okay, what was coming up in that moment? How did it feel? What might I have done if I had had another chance or if I could go back? They're all going to help you. They're all going to serve you and make an impact on your future choices. Okay, so the four questions. Question number one When you think about the compromise at hand, question number one is, am I being asked to ignore my intuition in order to preserve the harmony here? So with this one, I would say just be wary of any favor or gesture or offer to help that requires you to quiet your inner knowing or to stuff down a strong reaction in order to avoid a conflict or to prove that you support or care for somebody else. So in other words, if there's like an intuitive pull happening, if there's some kind of tug in your intuition or your gut, and there's some part of you that wants to ignore that so that you can preserve the harmony in this relationship and just say yes, even if it means ignoring your intuition, that's worth looking at. And again, that might be as simple as pausing to notice it and explore it later, but just pay attention. Ask that question and pay attention to what comes up. Question number two that you might ask yourself when there's a compromise that's giving you some pause would be, am I being asked to rely on the hope that this will eventually feel okay, even if it doesn't feel okay right now? So sometimes if a decision isn't sitting well, we might tell ourselves that we'll come around or that it'll be easier once we get used to it. And the thing that I would say to that is that if you're uneasy now, Honor your inner knowing and give that feeling some real consideration before you move forward. Again, this is kind of about pausing too. A lot of these are going to kind of point you back to that reminder to take a minute, check in with yourself and see what's going on. And I think that this is another example of how we might sometimes talk ourselves down from that initial intuitive little tug or twinge that we feel. And we might do that by saying, oh, I'm making something out of nothing. This will be fine. I'll feel okay later. I'll come around. And if that's your inner narrative, if that's the negotiation tactic that's happening in your mind, pay attention to that. Question number three, am I being asked to let someone else's priorities or values be the architect of my life? And I use that word architect on purpose because I think that there are, of course, going to be moments in any relationship, personal, professional, romantic, any relationship, there are going to be moments where we make a choice to let somebody else's priorities or values be a deciding factor, right? In fact, I was just talking with a friend the other day and we were saying how, I don't remember where one of us heard it. I think it might've been like a cup of joe, like nugget of gold in the comment section, which happens so often. Um, If you're not a follower of cup of joe, Joanna Goddard, she's like, one of the OG vloggers and it's the comment section is like one of those rare corners of the internet where everything is just 
delightful most of the time. Um, But somebody said something that was like, when my husband and I are trying to make a decision and we're in disagreement, we usually default to letting the partner who cares more make the choice. And I just thought that was really cool, right? So that goes back to this idea of like, yes, there are of course going to be times where we are consciously deciding to let someone else's priorities or values dictate an outcome. But when those priorities or values become the architect of our life, that's something different. And I think this can happen in relationships where there's a power imbalance. So that might be in a work setting or maybe in a romantic partnership. But if there becomes a pattern where one person's priorities are kind of becoming the thing that's building the scaffolding of the entire relationship, that's the thing I want to draw our attention to here. And it's a little bit of a, you know it when you see it sort of thing. But this question is a great way to consider whose needs are driving the bus and to what extent. So if this is a compromise that you can make without getting pulled away from your deeper needs or your values or your sense of identity, great. But if that gives you pause, don't just gloss over it. And then the fourth and final question that you might return to if there's a compromise in front of you that's giving you some pause would be this question of, am I being asked to use logic to discredit what my gut is telling me? So you'll notice for all four of these questions, we're putting a real emphasis on what's happening in your intuition. And that's not to say that in everyday life, it always makes sense to heavily lean into your intuition and discredit your logic brain or your emotional brain. The three like to work in harmony and I think we can make some of our best decisions when we're in that space. However, for many of us who struggle with people pleasing, I think we often lean into our our brain, our logic brain, which likes to tell us to ignore our intuition. It likes to logic negotiate us. It likes to distract us from our intuitive knowing by using logic, which is heavily valued, by the way, in our patriarchal society, we lean heavily into logic and we almost treat it, I mean, sometimes we do treat it as more valuable than some of those other types of knowing, our intuitive knowing and our emotional knowing. So I would caution you, if you notice that that's happening, if there's some part of you that's trying to use logic to talk yourself out of what another part of you knows, whether that's your emotional knowing or your intuitive knowing, notice that. Just notice that it's happening. For me, I know it's a big red flag when I catch myself trying to use detached logic to kind of strong arm my gut into submission. So take note of how hard you're having to fight on an inner level and talk yourself into this thing. Whatever you choose in the face of this compromise that you're looking at, know this. There are situations that call for compromise and they're going to continue showing up in all of your relationships. There are, of course, going to be times when you'll need to bend, when it makes sense to sort of cave or put your own needs or priorities on the back burner. And there are other times when you'll need to dig deep down to find your roots and hold your ground. But there's going to always be something somewhere inside you that knows when you're being asked to give too much. In fact, you probably already feel it and you have strong mechanisms in place that are either distracting you from it or talking you down from it or redirecting your attention to something that's, you know, often credited as being more credible, like your logic brain. Our job is to just start paying attention to when this is happening, to start honoring that voice of your intuitive knowing 
and to remember that love or loyalty alone are not reasons enough to make every concession that's asked of you. And I know that's a little bit hyperbolic. Like, of course, you shouldn't be making every concession that's asked of you. But I also think if many of us got honest with ourselves, the percentage of time when we say yes when we'd rather not is probably higher than we'd like to admit. And if that's the case for you, my hope is that these questions will help you find a minute to sort of pause, look at that from a few different angles, and come back to center. And even if it's retroactive in a journal or looking in hindsight, making note of what you might actually want to do in those moments uh, and how you might want to show up differently if you're in a habit of sort of erring on the side of compromising to keep the peace. The last thing I just want to name here is that if you're not used to pushing back in your relationships or being especially assertive, you might find that healthy compromise feels like conflict at first. It might feel like you're being aggressive when you're actually being assertive, and that's totally normal and it's totally okay. This is gonna get easier and feel more natural with practice and with patience. But not only is it your right to take up space in your relationships, It's also your responsibility. And in fact, I think I want to do a full episode on that at some point about this idea of what it looks like to hold up our end of the deal in relationships and how that actually calls on us to take up some space and be honest even when it's uncomfortable for us. But at the end of the day, the thing that I just kind of want to leave you with on this front is you might notice a real contrast here between how you're used to showing up versus this new way of showing up that you might be trying on that involves being a bit more assertive, pushing back a little bit more than you're used to. And just because it feels uncomfortable, that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. So I'm going to bring us back to that same thing we've been hammering home this whole time, right? Trust your gut. Don't be afraid to pause, slow down, check in with yourself. And at the end of the day, You already know the answer. You already know what's right for you. These are just tools to help you get back in touch with that knowing. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. If you're enjoying the show, let the overlords at Apple Podcasts know. Seriously though, it goes a really long way if you subscribe and leave a rating and a review. Thanks in advance. If you're looking for even more support around the conversations popping up in your life and relationships, head on over to thehardyfig.com. That's the H-E-A-R-T-Y fig.com. And that's where you'll find an interactive, I like to think of it as a part quiz, part workshop that'll offer you some personalized support based on your particular situation and what's tripping you up about it. The best part, it's 100% introvert friendly and can be done totally on your own time with as many pauses as you need. Most of all, thanks for being here. See you next week.